You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! It is possible! Welcome to Celtic Strong, a podcast that journeys backwards through Boston Celtics history and lore. Join two proud fans who are definitely not experts as we look back era by era. In San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. But I bet you didn't get, like, there's certain things that, like, you wear, like, a Yankees, like, jersey in somewhere. Right. Like, people are going to, you know, give you shit for it. But I feel like Celtics, like, you can wear Celtics anywhere and people are like... Yeah, I'm all right with that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can. It's it's. You're right, Jerry. You bring up an excellent point. You can wear Celtics gear in New York City, and yeah, like people are totally cool with it. Like, there's right. like the, there's no there's like a respect. major anim- Yeah, there's no major animosity or anything between Knicks fans. Like, in a lot of ways, because of how the Knicks suffered, I feel like New York's almost adopted the right. Celtics as yeah. like their yeah. conference team that they'll pull for for against the Lakers probably. But even California, um, I feel like you could wear Celtic stuff and they're not going to. Oh, be oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there is something about the original team and the lore, the Bill green Russell. and white. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I've looked at some articles online about sports things that aren't, actually that factual but sometimes interesting as you guys might have and one was like the most classic jerseys ever i think right something like that and there's something about the celtics uh kelly green and just the look and the i don't know it's perfect it's just like it represents it it does represent the team in the the city and the vibe team in the city and that era that time in the world seems to capture something so well still and remains so classic. Yeah, Celtics gear travels better than uh, quite a few other teams yeah, that yeah. have won as much as they have. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking from 
fans who are, you know, of Celtics that are from Massachusetts originally. When when I was growing up, we my brother was big into hockey and we would go to Bruins games to the old garden. Um, I never went to a Celtics game growing up, it was always Bruins. But the the thing that stuck with me though was the banners. You spent a lot of time like looking up at these banners from the Celtics. And I just recall that being like so ingrained as a kid. Like it didn't matter I was there and it was an ice arena. Right, like, right. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was the same spot. Yeah, that's the home. Yeah, exactly. And and those banners thinking about the 2008 season of how much goes into a season to earn a banner. Like each one of those banners means maybe that much to the, someone else who was watching it that season or following it that season. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And there's all that strife and hardship and, and, you know, you don't win 11 championships without being, you know, it's crazy. Like to think like, you know, Walton, but yeah. And, and something I'm, I'm kind of perversely, proud of that I think is true with Boston fans. You know, I'm out here in California. I can, I can wear my Celtics Jersey to Staples center. And I mean, you know, I might not be popular, but I'm not going to get a whole lot of crap. Right. I I don't know if it works the other way around. I don't know if a Lakers Jersey comes into Boston and doesn't get harassed a little bit. Oh, I don't think you want to wear a Lakers Jersey in, uh, in, in yeah. And this, and this isn't, this isn't a Red Sox and Tampa Bay situation where all the fans live there already. Right. You know, as Boston fans, even compared to, you know, the Lakers who, you know, as we mentioned, are, are kind of our historical rival. I don't know. There's, there's sort of that hometown pride that, um, you know, pride or bad manners, you know, one of these things, uh, that just sticks out. Yeah. I heard Philly fans are pretty tough too. I don't think you want to wear any rival jerseys to Philly. No, no. There is something to be said for not moving, uh, not changing the branding much. Like never, you know, just like it's always been the Boston Celtics. It's always been the green and white and, you know, little gold highlights here and there, you know, (laughs) but it's always like been the same, um, you know, just iconography and and general attitude that it's you know followed on the the city and uh the actual people of the city of course a uh, large large irish immigrant population uh in boston especially in the 20th century as we are starting basketball teams and leagues so yeah it's always just seemed to really like fit and be so classic and i don't wear uh, I don't wear my Celtics gear a ton here in North Carolina, but um, certainly when I rock my custom Jason Tatum tank top these days, I never get any uh, sidelong glances. Um, you guys have any funny, uh, funny stories about being um, elsewhere and uh, and wearing Boston Celtics? Yeah, so gear? I think I, I think probably the the one uh, that was a little hairy for me, so. I lived down in Miami for a little bit. I was a, uh, I was a few blocks away from America, American Airlines Arena, and so oh, wow. this was uh, when the Heat really stunk. I think their best player was Alonzo Mourning. Uh, this was right around when he got his, I don't know, what was it, kidney problems or something. So mm, um, yeah. they really stank. I think they won like 15 games this year, but uh, went there, went to a game with uh, with my roommate at the time, and we had the 
the face paint and, uh, you know, like the arm, like, I mean, you know, the whole nine yards, we were green from the top of our heads to our feet. Right. (laughs) And being the brilliant young fellows that we were, we walked to the game because we're a few, we're a few, I don't know, we're maybe five blocks away from the arena and you're not going to drive. Right. So long story (laughs) short, Paul Pierce wins the game at the buzzer with a layup over Alonzo morning, two of us jump up, you know, screaming at the top of our lungs, possible obscenities. The entire stadium kind of turns their glance. <laughs> Record stops. And then, and then we realize that we need to walk home with the crowd through the yeah, I was going to say, nothing's going to happen Miami at the stadium, and- but yeah. <laughs> so we, we feared for our lives a little bit. Luckily, we were not assaulted, but it seemed, seemed like a 50-50 proposition. Did you guys wait until like the crowd had cleared out, or did you try to make an early exit? Oh, no, we hustled. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smart. We had about 30 seconds of glee, and then we assessed the Well, because I was going to say, you either wait till the whole stadium clears out. Right. Like, for a while. Like, till their broom guy, the guy's sweeping up the popcorn. Or you get out real quick. <laughs> yeah. We were out pretty quick. I mean, it's Miami, <laughs> so it was half full. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, Miami pre-Big 3. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have to say, living in San Francisco for... Uh, most of this time, if not uh, pretty much all of it. San Francisco is many things. And now the Warriors do play within the city limits. Um, well, one thing I never found San Francisco to be is uh, itself a very serious about the NBA city. Um, and therefore, this whole time, the Warriors weren't very good and wearing Celtics gear. I don't remember any incidents. Not only that, I do remember many times watching pivotal playoff games in bars where literally no one else in the bar cared. Right. Yeah. You're like, can you put the Celtics game on? And everyone was like, oh, there's a Celtics game on. And then you're cheering and they don't care. Yeah. 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 Me and one other person just like screaming and pouring beer on each other and everyone else, you know, San Francisco, like looking all hip, just like. (laughs) Uh, which is, you know, a little bit of a caricaturization, but no, I remember just a lot of like people not quite understanding why I was so excited about the Celtics. And, you know, this is when the Warriors had been in Oakland for a long time. And, um, yeah, it's just a different time. I think, uh, in, in many ways, as we're saying, you know, no social media, kind of peak sports center time, that kind of stuff. And San Francisco loves the Giants and the Niners, and it's definitely a sports town, but uh, didn't feel like an NBA town at the time, especially since the Warriors hadn't been playing there actually for a while. So it just <laughs> we were just kind of the wackos. Yeah. And, uh, and ended up, as I said before, watching some games on my tiny TV VCR uh, all in one at my house. But um, yeah, it didn't, it just didn't, seem to matter during this time uh where you were uh they're just yeah there was a lot of a lot of interest and attention from the you know announcement through this championship and then there are moments that stick out you know after that rematch against the lakers but uh i was honestly surprised how many more seasons of the big three happened before ray allen left so i have to say uh, for me, it went out with a whimper or whatever the expression is. Um, 
Not with a bang. Like yeah. it sort of just faded out. So yeah, I wonder if you guys remember that or just like any sort of uh, lasting Good impressions point. of the end or towards the end of this. Yeah, I'd like to know what you guys thought specifically of Ray, the Ray Allen leaving the season before and then the end before that. So those two things. You want to go, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think with the whole Ray Allen thing, you know, I think that's kind of maybe the point that, you know, it broke our illusion of this, you know, of, of this trio. Obviously, it broke up the trio, but this idea of loyalty and like, how could you ever leave the big three? I mean, let alone, you know, we all know where he went. Uh, <laughs> same city I almost got, got mugged in that, that one time. So I do think that was kind of a reality check for fans. Like this is really coming apart and uh, you know, being Boston fans, uh, we hold a grudge to this, to this very day uh, for, for a, a star NBA player uh, making his own choices in, in free agency. Um, I wonder if you get so much shit today where, where player movement is just so, so incredibly common, but uh, we still get the rumors. We still see the pictures, you know, these guys all like each other still except for Ray Allen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I mean, there has been some potential uh movement towards a reconciliation uh including like I think uh Pearson Garnett's like Hall of Fame inductions. It's like cordiality at least, but yeah, it's unbelievable. Um and I think that is very Boston, right? To like just be so intense and passionate that you hold a grudge and the the fierce rivalries that's so Boston. Um, and like ugh, any other modern big three, and you leave to go to the rival big three and become like the fourth beetle. Like it's it's weird. I still think that there's a part of it which is like hard to see it as anything but just chasing one more ring. Which totally, Durant. he's entitled, right, right, exactly, <laughs> yeah, it's like, totally entitled to that, like, cool, cool, like, you can do that, and the, I mean, fuck, the heat I don't. feel like it was like a, it was a very similar feeling as when Damon went to the Yankees, um, yeah. it yeah. was like, it was like a betrayal, like, yeah. Like when I say that I felt like we were part of the team and we were part of like the journey and all that stuff, like you, he really was part of it. You know what I mean? And, uh, to, to leave like he did and to go where he went, I think there's plenty of cases where new England fans are okay where you go and when you go. Like Ray Bork went to the Avalanche, and we were excited when Ray Bork won the championship with the Avalanche. Yeah, because it's like we all wanted Bork to win. We wanted him to win in Boston, but he couldn't. And when he went to the Avalanche, we were happy for him. Uh, for, personally, me, when Brady left, it was a bummer. But he went to Tampa, and I wasn't like, why would he do that? It was like it made perfect sense why he did that. And yeah. when he won the championship there, I was happy for him. But when Damon went to the Yankees and when Allen went to the Heat, it was like, come on, man. Like, that's what you're going to, you're going to, like, I don't know. That's like, I feel like there's just, I don't know. Yeah. And I think, I think betrayal is the right word, but also there is just this, you talk about Ray Bork, there's this feeling like 
you're you're throwing the team under the bus. Like there's still we there's still some life in this yeah, team, and, yeah. and you're gonna stick that last knife in our back. Yeah. Like, okay. Now yeah. that you're gone, it's officially over. Right. And y- you did that to us. Yeah. And, and Damon yeah. left when there was like this. The team was still strong. The Red Sox still could you know were a championship contender, and the Celtics were definitely still a championship contender. Like Bork left the the like when like Neely and all those guys are already retired. Like Bork was right. the last of them, so it's like you know what I mean. Like when yeah, that was tough. Ago, like when like it wasn't as as painful when Pierce and Garnett got traded because it's like they were the last of them. But when you're the first to go, when it's still like we could still get this, that 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 is that's painful, man. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think that's what makes the Ray Allen thing really hard. Because, and I don't know if being naive or not to think this way, but I like they were still in contention to win another yeah, title yeah. there, which would have would have been their last chance to do it all together. Ultimately, we didn't know that at the time. Like, was he like? It's so weird because, like, I think of him as a bad guy. Like, he's the bad guy in the story. Yeah, well, like, he's like the Judas. He's like the betrayal. <laughs> it's like, but like, was it? I don't know. Who knows? You know what I mean? But he'll always be that to me, like in my mind. Same with Damon. It's like I remember seeing a like somebody had rewritten the name of the jersey "Dumb Money" instead of Damon. It's like that. Like there has to be more than just an opportunity when you're deciding things. And so when you decide something that is going to make you a bad guy in a lot of people's mind, like. I don't know. Like, I feel like LeBron leaving Cleveland was a bad guy move. You know what I mean? Like, like you know what I mean? Like that city was like riding, ride or die with LeBron. And there's posters everywhere, and they're taking down these giant posters. It's like, I don't know. Like, there's some bad guy moves in sports, but maybe it's just like, maybe they're not that bad. Maybe, I, maybe if I'm that athlete, I make the same decision. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I think they leave you a little disillusioned of the. You know, maybe maybe it was a fantasy that all these guys were were so loyal. They said the right things. It's like it's like you just had a bad breakup, and you know, you're like, "Oh Ray, did you ever love me at all?" <laughs> you know, yeah. And he was he was a he trade acquisition. He cheated on us. Damn it. Yeah, he was yeah. a trade acquisition. He didn't choose to come to Boston, right. and um, I was super pumped that he that they acquired him, and then equally as perplexed. When he left the way he did. Yeah. And I think, I think free agency is just, we take for granted. That's how these teams are built now, you know, starting with Miami. And this is another one of those super biased Boston pride things. But I felt like, you know, we built, we traded for these players. Like we trader Danny put this all together. We played (laughs) by the rules when, when, you know, LA got Shaq because let's, Shaq wanted to go to Hollywood, right? Right. Yeah. Or when Miami got all these guys because they're like, I want to live on South Beach, win a championship, and not pay any taxes. Yeah. You know, as a Boston fan, I'm like, damn it, you didn't play by the by the rules. You just <laughs> you just threw money at the problem. So free agency was like this extra slap in the face for someone to just this isn't about money. This is this is Boston pride. This is, you know, we did it right. You know, just this attitude. Yeah. And I think. You know, my memory uh, is also that there was the feeling that part of what pushed Ray Allen out or whatever he felt, right, like motivated him to sign elsewhere was some sort of notion of him being like the 
like number three, right? Or push to the back to some degree in this team and dynamic. And, you know, a lot of rumors about what happened and, uh, you know, clashes between he and Rondo, I think are the most like reported. Uh, And yeah, all that is to say, like, if he just wanted one more ring, he made the right call, right? Like, I don't think anyone in his shoes who had that choice looking at those rosters would have been like, no, Celtics are the better chance. Like, let's be honest. The Heat were the better bet. (laughs) (laughs) They they were. And I think you see this with, you know, in all sports and contracts, you know, guys are never going to say it's about the money, right? What do they say? It's about the respect. Well, how do you show respect? You pay them the money. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, Ray Allen, we're trying to say, I don't remember what contract we tried to give him, right. but we gave him, some, we're trying to give him some contract that said he's not a star anymore, right? Yep. And you can look at all the numbers in the world and say, okay, that's a fair contract or maybe he should take a discount. But this guy's going, nah, nah, you're not, you're not, you sh- you're not showing me respect. And he's that's what I'm door. saying. Like as a player, like I may have made the same decisions that these guys made, but yeah, it's tough as a, as somebody who, as a fan, it's tough. It is. And, and I think just because of how magical that one season was, we wanted more, you know, and, and he was part of that more. Yeah. And then the, to leave the way he did, it felt like, like you said, like it felt like a script in a movie, like where now he's just been, he's cast, he's cast as the bad guy. He's the bad guy now. And I, I wonder how Miami sees it. Like, do they see him as like this, you know, another piece in the puzzle like Garnett was to us or do they see him as like a, well, we didn't really need him anyway. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? I wonder how he's seen in Miami or if yeah. they even care. Of course they did actually need him. It turned out. Right. And he hit that legendary shot or legendary to those who care about <laughs> Ray Allen and the heat. And what was it against the Spurs? I believe. And, uh, so it's interesting because overall he wasn't as integral. He obviously wasn't part of their big three. Right. But he hit several key shots, including that shot where it's like, if that's, if he doesn't hit that. And maybe if that's not even him, right? If he's not on that team, it's someone else who's not a good or as good three shooter, right? They didn't have anyone else <laughs> nearly like that on the roster. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, it may have literally swung the fates of two franchises differently. I wonder if some of these players look back though and think like the one, like let's say he doesn't win a championship in Miami or something like that. Like, or even any of these players that are like cast as kind of the bad guy. Like I think when Brett Favre's career was ending and you know, he had that whole like retire, not retire and then come back and then not come back and then ends up on, you know, the, um, the Vikings, I think. Yeah. It's like, that wasn't really a great ending to a storied career. And it's like, same, same division. Right. Do you like, yeah. And so that's kind of a betrayal moment there. Do you think that, like, looking back, they're like, no, I made the right decision. Like, you know, like I wanted to keep playing football and there wasn't a home for me in, in, uh, the, the Packers had moved on and, you know, I want to play and I still want to play, you know, or does he look at it and be like, man, that was a bad, mis- that was a bad choice. <laughs> I should have stayed with the Packers and not retired and all, you know what I mean? Like, is there that, like, you know, is there is there any part of Ray Allen who goes, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have stuck it out and really fought 
and tried to win with the Celtics because you know we were the big three and there was a you know we still had a shot and we could have we could have recaptured that glory days you know. I think Eli hit it when he said that he got the ring, so ultimately right. they made the right choice. And then also Brian was right too. And the Celtics, as an organization, needed to make him more of a priority. And then there was obviously something off between the dynamic of Garnett, Pierce, and Rondo. And if the rumors were like there was this rift between Rondo, Allen, then I feel like Pierce and Garnett should have like done more to bring everyone together. But is there like maybe taking a side or something? I don't know. I don't know what happened. Not being a professional athlete, never knowing what it's like. Is there something like, does it bother you when uh, a community thinks of you as a bad guy? Like, don't they all want to be loved? Trey Young is currently embracing and relishing the villain and the bad guy role. Um, so I think there's guys that thrive on both. Ultimately, as people, we want to be liked and loved. But my sense is that there are certain players who relish the bad guy role, right? Right. Uh, intentionally, yeah. Like they like to go into the opposing stadiums and hear the people booing, and it fires them up. And yeah, and yeah, they like to be the bad guy. But I don't think Allen was that. So I wonder. I wonder if it actually affected him, like. Maybe not that season, the next season where they won, but I'm saying like down the line, like now, does Allen look back on that and be like, yeah, wow, I'm perceived as the bad guy to people in New England, you know, or is he like, no, I, I made the right choice. I'm not the bad guy here. Yeah. Or I knew this was likely, but I made the choice anyway yeah. and I stand by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to say. And, um, you know, as, we kind of commented on this seems to be still ongoing and maybe evolving. Um, I think there is a sense that I've heard from uh, actual, you know, athletes talking about stuff like this, that at a certain point, that competition and hatred and grudges, everything falls away. Yeah. And you just like love each other. You're just like right. people who spent prime years of their life together doing something intense. Um, so maybe that's where it gets, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you watch those like documentaries of like those guys, like the eighties and nineties stars. Yeah. They all still hold a grudge against Isaiah. Nobody likes Isaiah Thomas. Like he's like on the outs with all those guys. Right. They're, like that dude was like a punk to them. They hated him. And he feels that way about like, he was like Pippin. Like he, like he hates Pip. Like, like those guys still hold, we're talking Scotty Pippin, and Isaiah Thomas were like retired way before, 15 years ago, the team we're talking about, like, and those yeah. guys are still holding grudges. So I think with that, with the intensity of an NBA and rivalries and all that stuff, I don't know. I don't know if it ever goes away. And then that infighting that apparently was going on, you know, with the Celtics, that's like, you know, you see great bands break up. You see, you know, like, it's like those bands never get, they don't put the tour back together where they can make millions of dollars and, and on just by playing music and having fun again, because they're like, no, I hate that guy. Totally. Yeah, he could have been like, I'm done here. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I'm done here. What's my best situation. Yeah. And that's that. It says, that's what it is. And you didn't really care about what everyone thought. Right. But to us, he's always going to be the villain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think but to he, me, I shouldn't say for us. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think he kind of, uh, he embodied that in a way from the start 
in that, you know, Garnett is so loud and uh, so ebullient, so loud and in your face and clear and such a big personality. And Pierce had already been the guy there. So um, it was his town, his team. And I just, like, when you think about all three of them and the personality and those big wins, like, I just think about Ray Allen shooting threes. Like, I don't right. think about yeah, him yeah. talking. I don't see no. him screaming. I don't see no. him celebrating. I don't see him defending. Like, I, and he played good defense through these runs, but like, he's just shooting threes. Like, that's all I really can see in my memory of sort of his role in this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there probably was something that felt to him like he, like, well, fuck these guys. Like, they never, like, this was never my band anyway. Like, I'm just right. a drummer or whatever, you know, like that was for him. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. I'm a bass player. Yeah. Like, I'm a guitarist. Um, no one sees me. Okay. Anyway. So, but enough about Ray Allen. So let's then move on to the big trade. What was, what, where were you guys? What was going on with you? The end of this big three era. How did that land for you? Brian? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, Eli kind of talked about the the whimper at the end here, but, you know, we had all, I think, kind of bought into this idea of Trader Danny as well. So it, it was this bizarre time where, okay, you're trading Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. You know, we can all accept that's like just, that's crazy. But at the same time, I think we all kind of immediately accepted that we had ripped off Brooklyn. Which is which is a weird thing to say about trading your you know your heroes away and somehow you've ripped off the other team. So I think I kind of had this optimism like, oh, we're just going to do it all again. You know, okay, this one's done. Now we took everything Brooklyn has so that they can get two years of our washed up stars, even though I still love them. And uh, you know, I think I had that optimism there, and I think for quite a long time, you know, you know, Danny continued to get credit for. You know what a what a you know boondoggle it was that somebody would pay for these guys when they're you know 100 years old. So uh, you know I think it was actually you know it was kind of a kind of bizarre bizarro world, but it was uh, you know there's a lot of optimism at the time for me. Yeah, I had the same kind of sentiment like where I I was actually happy for them. Like I'm happy that they get to go somewhere and still compete together. And I'm not mad that they left and um, I don't feel betrayed and uh, like, I want them to do well. And it's like, like it was a moving on. Like, yeah, like that, like uh, I forget which coach said it, but like they were saying like Larry Bird and Robert Parrish and aren't walking through that door. You know what I mean? Like, it was kind of like that moment, like where it's like, this is the now, this is what we're dealing with now. You know what I mean? And it was like, we're not getting those glory days back. Um, and, uh, good luck to everyone involved. You know what I mean? And like, it was fun to watch Pierce and, uh, Garnett play the next season on the Nets. I think they went to the playoffs. Yeah. They had a good team. They had, so, um, Darren Williams. So it was like, it was um, fun. Like when I watched uh, them, Brooke Lopez actually, when I was watching them, it wasn't like feeling like, fuck these guys. I can't believe they left us. And it wasn't, uh, there was none of that feeling. It was like, come on guys, you you guys can do, it was like almost rodent for like, you know, now I have another team to root for if the Celtics don't do good. You know what I mean? 
Um, yeah. So that was like the, but it, it did feel like an end of an era. It felt like this is, this is definitely over. And like, I don't know if there was as much optimism in me. It was almost like a, are we going back to a Dino Raja era? Like what's next for us? You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be some time before, you know, I have those like excited feelings again. I, I, I feel like, talking about isaiah thomas i feel like when isaiah thomas 2.0 was playing there was a little bit of that excitement came back for me for yeah the celtics um and so that's obviously a, a story for another time but like there just is never i don't know if there ever will be that that feeling again that of that you know season um mm. so yeah it was a it was mm. a it wasn't a sad ending, but like you said, it was kind of a fizzle. It was like they, Garnett and Pierce are now gone, and that's the end. And like, as quickly as it came, yeah, as quickly as it happened, it was as quickly as it was over. Yeah, it was yeah. like, okay, did that? Was that a dream? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy how, yeah, we have these, you know, blockbuster trades. Um, you know, the three really. Ray Allen trade, the Garnett trade, and then Pearson Garnett to Brooklyn. And they just, yeah, tightly bookend this run. And it's, um, of course, Ray Allen leaves right before that final season of Pearson Garnett. And they uh, struggle, slog through to uh, almost 500 record uh, without him. And yeah, so when the trade happens... I think there was that sense of like yeah it's time right that like okay well this is a good way to start again yeah it was definitely a rebuilding mode yeah pretty Which crazy as a fan though. as a fan no. rebuilding can be exciting but when you don't even know who you're rebuilding around like it's re- it's exciting when you have a player to build around and you're like this is we're rebuilding and we got this guy and it's like but i don't even i feel like we didn't even have that it was like we don't where, like it's kind of like where are we like yeah yeah like, yeah and I, I think this is around that time we kind of fell into that that middle of the road trap right yeah like we were still making the playoffs and you know i've outed myself on my overrating of celtics prospects but mm-hmm. you know we're drafting jared sullingers and marcus smarts and terry rose years like these guys are nice players but they're not you know these are not superstars that you know they might get you to the playoffs, you know, IT like uh, Garrett mentioned was was a fun run. And, you know, we had some fun seasons in there, but I don't know if it ever felt like we were that close again since. Yeah, I think there's there's something to be said for uh, Danny's brilliance in pulling off uh, all three of these trades for sure and some other great moves. And, you know, he's hit on draft picks since, but... Um, there's a lot of questionable draft picks <laughs> if you go through all of Danny Ainge's drafts. And uh, we're not here to, to sully Danny's name. Nope, nope. We, uh, we hold him up high because uh, he's a part of a lot of Celtics lore and championships. But there are some questionable draft picks. And yeah, that sense that we talked about of how the first year of the big three, like, oh, this this could go for a few years. Um, 
that at the end of this, we're left with like, oh, we didn't really have a great plan after this, did we? You know, and so I think given that the Brooklyn trade feels like, whoa, <laughs> right? right? And uh, there's even, you know, been lots written about the Brooklyn GM regretting that and wishing he'd slept on it. We talked about that. Sure. Uh, sure. And, the, and, and there's elements of the Brooklyn trade, right? That like extended far beyond into the future, like where those, those picks kept kind of getting kicked down the road, moved around, flipped around, becoming better, becoming worse. And so it always drew you back to that end of this run when that trade happened. And yeah. that just kept coming up, up and it was like sort of like stamped on this, the next era. Yeah. And we've talked about, how at the time it seemed absurd that this trade was happening, but it felt like the consensus was that we had won the trade Yeah, at the time. And maybe we did, maybe we didn't. Looking back now, it's hard to say, right? Like, you know, you look at the fates of the franchises since, and it's, I just think it's like less and less clear um, the years after that Brooklyn trade who actually got the benefit of right. that trade. And, you know, it's precipitated the two J's in the current era. Uh, but as we've seen for the last few seasons, two J's don't really win without uh, a lot of good players around them. Um, of course, we're not talking about that now. That's for a later pod. But um, yeah, there was kind of a cupboard is bare. And this seems like a good haul to try to start a new rebuilding era. That seems like a good place to stop. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Garrett and Brian, for joining us on this wonderful look back at the 08 championship run and some of the years that followed and the, the magical season that that was. I'm just grateful for you guys. Uh, big thank you to CelticStrong.com. Little plug for Brian. <laughs> and for being our gracious hosts. Yeah, and for anyone uh, who has, you know, further thoughts or agrees, disagrees with anything we shared, we'd love to, uh, to hear from you. So holler at us on social media. Uh, you can get at Celtic Strong or at Connected Podcasts. So thanks, y'all, for listening. And thanks to everyone for joining us today. <laughs>